0: ¡Gracias! Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starts. Hi guys, I hope that you are doing okay today. This is the autumn equinox, or well, where I live, the spring equinox. Equal night is what equinox means, which means the day and the night are exactly equal. Equal. At this moment or at least today <laughs> tomorrow the nights will grow longer in the northern hemisphere and shorter in the summer sum, summer s- southern hemisphere oh my god Whew, couldn't get through that word okay <laughs> but um, as as of right moment right at the moment we're it equal day equal night um, The sun sign has just changed from Virgo to Libra. Libra also is a symbol for balance. And we are being taxed emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually with the bombardment of a bunch of solar flare type energy. I don't know if it's flares or just solar winds, but... Whatever it is, it has been knocking me on my butt today. Uh, I I uh, was listening to a YouTube video about an hour ago and just um, I laid down on my bed. Next thing I know, I woke up an hour later. Just what? I don't even remember what I heard, what I was listening to, what I was trying to listen to. Um, these <laughs> cosmic power naps. Expect them to happen. Probably for a couple days more. I, I just, we're at 99 in the Ascension Symptoms Scale. So that's one of the symptoms, just being overloaded and downloading a frick, frick ton of energy. And it's just like overwhelming. So I have heard from a couple people, and they're also going through a lot of powerful emotional stuff, uh, having to face uh, negativity, relive. Rethink negativity from their past as well. Um, Bad things that happened. uh, Just all the emotional junk. Clearing, emotional purges. It's not just me going through the 12th chakra having been opened. It's, It's everyone's going through the emotional purges now. So, it's good. I thank you for the feedback, by the way. Joy, I wanted to thank you because... We, um, you know, I need to know, I need that feedback. Cause I need to know, is it just me? Is it you? Is it me? Is it you? You know, I don't know. I just don't know. Like who, you know, is it just my own personal thing? Cause I know my life rejection theme is just, you know, that's, thank God it's not everyone going through that. We'd all just be sitting around butt hurt all the time, <laughs> you know, um, It does make me self-reliant and independent, though, and I'm grateful for that, but um, I'm still reeling emotionally from some of the events of yesterday, and I don't know. Something really bizarre happened to me like three or four days ago. I never fall for scams, and I fell for a scam. Uh, It was just this guy had such an amazing and extensive Instagram account, and he said that he could flip some Bitcoin for me like right away, like just like in an hour or whatever. He said probably 20 minutes, but you know, like, all right, you know, sure. Why not? I'll give you 50 bucks. See what you could do with it. You know, but it took me a few hours to be convinced by this guy. And, and he showed me pictures. He sent me pictures. It was like ridiculous, you know, and don't ever do anything with anyone through Instagram period. Okay. (laughs) It's just my advice because I was a sucker and, all's well that ends well thank you very much I, I actually I gave him $50 and he did not flip my money he didn't do anything with it and he said okay you know send me the screen where you sent it I, you know I did and he's like awesome thank you and then he goes well I can't do anything right now because you didn't give me enough money you have to give me more I'm like nope you lied to me I need my money back and that's it you know and I'm going to ask for a refund and he he uh, said well I can't do it now I've got to go home I'll do it in the morning and then in the morning he said hi to me how are you doing you know I'm going to try to get your money back right now don't worry blah 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 and an hour later all of his pictures and images all of his postings were erased from Instagram three hours later um, his actual uh, face like his profile uh, picture was gone and three hours after that it just said Instagrammer Period. That was it. Like, I think Instagram wiped out his account so I couldn't get a hold of him. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm not totally freaking out. It was only $50, but whatever. So um, I I uh, decided to email him, you know, the, the email that I used to pay him through PayPal. And I, and I just said, you are a big fat liar that's all i said and so like the next day i get an email back going who is this what are you talking about and i just ignored him like screw him right and i started praying and i did a little spell i cast a magical spell to get my money back i wrote to paypal and my screen wasn't functioning none of my electronics were functioning that day my internet was out for hours and it kept like it'd be on for five minutes and off for 10 minutes and on for two minutes and then off for 20 minutes it was ridiculous it was like for two or three days and I'm like I felt like I'm being really 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 screwed with right like it was my fault for being a moron and trusting somebody on Instagram and I know I was gullible and I just was like desperate, you know, I, that in that moment, like I need extra money and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I was panicking because so I had a bill to pay and I was running out of money. And so I was like, I'm gonna do this thing. Well, anyway, uh, I mean, I both of my phones, my TV, my internet, my um, computer, laptop, everything was like not totally functioning. So. I tried to ask them for a refund through PayPal, and I ended up pushing the wrong button that says unauthorized use of account instead of, which it wasn't unauthorized use of his Instagram account, but I authorized the payment. Well, they said, you can't do anything. You pushed the wrong button. So as far as we're concerned, you lost your money and it's over. And they're just being dicks about it. And I wrote them like, I wrote them two or three emails. They never responded. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then today I get another email from the guy and I'm like, he's like, I don't understand what's happening. Why are you calling me a liar? And why did you send me a gift of $50? None of this makes sense. What the hell is happening? Oh my God. That is the most bizarre scam I've ever seen, right? So I wrote the guy and I'm like, "Uh, you don't recall telling me you were going to flip my my. $50 $50 into 200 in an hour. You don't recall, you know, this and you know, that and the conversation on Instagram. And he's like, Oh my God, someone from my past is scamming you and making it look like it's my fault. What is happening? And so we went through this whole rigmarole and then I explained the whole thing to him. And he goes, I am really sorry. I'm going to refund it right now. And he refunded my money. Boom. Just like that. <laughs> so the magic spell worked. Yay. And, um, <laughs> calling a perfectly innocent stranger a liar, I guess maybe helped a little. I I apologized. I'm like, I feel so bad. And he's like, tell me everything. I'm going to find this guy. I'm like, well, when you find him, punch him hard. Punch him hard in the arm for me because I'm the idiot that trusted him. But, you know, he's the dishonest smooth talker that got my 50 bucks for you know, a couple days, but, um, which he didn't even get it. I mean, what, what kind of scammer would, would like set up somebody else's account to be closed like that? Isn't that weird? Like what, what did he get out of it other than that he got the satisfaction of knowing he pulled one over on someone? It makes no sense. So what I'm like, so confused, right? It's just so confusing. Anyway, the moon is in cancer all day long today, which attributes to our really intense moodiness, sadness, sorrow, um, melancholia type or quick mood swings, you know, happy one moment, sad the next. Um, I've been absolutely in a state of panic and fear pretty much since yesterday. And I keep like doing the breathing exercises that prime creator told us to do the other day. And I keep doing it and it gets rid of the anxiety and then it comes back. And I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of crazy. So I'm hoping that when the moon is no longer in cancer, that that would be what's (laughs) that. Maybe that's the clue. I don't know if that's the secret. I'm not sure. Um, I wanted to think, uh, Reiki Starseed healer who wrote me a five-star review on iTunes. Um, I think it's a, she, I don't know. <laughs> it could be a man. I don't know. But this person wrote, um, I've always loved bedtime stories. And tonight's episode was the best I've ever heard. Even though this one is the truth. And she was, or he was, I don't know if you're, <laughs> I don't know your gender, but thank you so much. And basically that was about the Pleiadian transmission, the Michael Shearhan episode. And uh, now it makes me wonder if I i have to go back and listen to it. I think I was so much in trance, I don't remember all that was said. But I do remember um, some of the things that have helped me, like the way that, that he described the... Um, once you have all your chakras intact and in place and they make like a shell, like a, a electron, you know, like a nucleus in the middle, which would be you <laughs> and then the electrons. And there's really an electron shell. If you go to chemistry class, you know, or go back, maybe go on YouTube and, and see what I mean. It's just like a layered shell. And I've noticed that since my 12th chakra opened up, I feel that my layers, my shells, <laughs> I mean, mean, it's like a Russian nesting doll. (laughs) It's like a Russian nesting doll with 12 dolls or 13. You're the 13th. (laughs) It's like you and then there's 12 layers around you. So it's literally like that. Exactly like that. (laughs) It's so crazy. Like, I feel woozy and weird and being pulled in multiple directions, but I'm starting to get my strength. I'm starting to get my, I can't say my sea legs or my land legs. I'm thinking I'm going to call it my space legs, <laughs> get my space legs. You know, I feel like, you know, I wish I could tell you guys, Oh yeah. I woke up the next day and floated around the house. Cause that would have been cool. You know, while I was floating around the house, I was able to manifest uh, red licorice in my hand and I was eating Twizzlers and flying around the house like a mad woman. <laughs> I mean, I wish it would have been that cool, but it's still a journey, part of the process. <laughs> it's not at all like the kick ass thing that I had in my fantasy mind about it. You know, it's a lot more real normal feeling whatever (laughs) I know you can detect the sarcasm in my (laughs) Uh, in my voice you can detect not only the sarcasm but the extreme disappointment that I'm not able to do all this crap yet but (laughs) it's coming I swear to God it's coming I would love to manifest a whole bunch of stuff like here what did you want? You know, here, this is a, you know. <laughs> hey, let's walk on the water together. That would be fun. It would be super fun. There's a, a book called um, When You Can Walk on Water, Take the Boat. And it's a story by, oh. It was written by Harry Muncharian. I'll have to look it up, and, and I might... um I might have to figure it out. But he wrote this book and it was, there was a fable about a, a student, a Chila, They went to his guru in India and he said, you know, um, well, they were all supposed to do a project, something that would be of an extraordinary superhuman ability. And at the end of the week, the one that he wanted to do, he couldn't do. And everybody else, were they were able to perform the feats, you know, like, I don't know, meditating while standing on one foot for an hour or whatever, you know, like they all had their feats that they did. And um, this, this one student was really upset. He was really young and he's like, I'm really mad. You know, he's like, why? He's like, I've been trying to walk on water, you know, like for this whole time. And it's just not, I mean, I spent every single waking moment for a whole week or two weeks, whatever the amount of time was trying to walk on the water and I don't understand why I'm not able to do it and he's like well you have to be an extremely advanced master you have to learn the advanced um, science behind it you have to figure it out and you're not advanced yet you know there's a lot more other things you need to do before you could get to that point and you know But what my advice to you is even if you could walk on water, it's always better to take the boat. It's the easiest path. It's the, you know, to walk across a lake versus getting in a speedboat and going across the lake. You know, it's always easier to take the easiest path. So... Having said that, I still want to float around my damn room cuz it would be so fun. I want the feeling of floating. I think that's why I want a swimming pool so bad. I want a house with a swimming pool. I don't I'm not a strong swimmer, but I like to do um underwater aerobics cuz it's really a great workout and it won't hurt my joints, but I like the feeling of floating. I want to float. I've always wanted to get on the swings at the playground and never get off the swings cuz as you're going all the way up, you know you're like a pendulum swinging back and forth, and it you're the, you're you're at the pinnacle, and there's just for a second that feeling of you're floating, and I want that feeling so bad. I don't know what that's about, but it's like a bizarre obsession I've had since I was a little kid, and I don't know. I've always wanted anything that gives me that kind of a feeling. Has always been. Uh, fascinating to me. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I am a star seed. Maybe I'm used to being in outer space, floating around inside my spaceship. I don't know. <laughs> it just gives me like a really weird, comforting sense about me, and I just, I want to float. You know. <laughs> And I don't know if I'm having nerve damage or what. Lately, when I lay down, my um, body gets very ningly. ningly? That's not a word. Numb (laughs) or tingly. I was going to say ningly and tum. What the hell? (laughs) Thanks, dyslexia. So, no, tingly and numb. And, And then I have a feeling like I'm floating. And I'm like, I might actually be dying right now. But I'm kind of enjoying the floating feeling. So, I just kind of go with it. And this happened quite a bit. Since I opened my 12th chakra, I'm still having like the bouts of like super, super, super heated energy where I suddenly get very, very hot. Almost feel like I'm inside a microwave and I get a weird sort of feeling. It almost is a sound though. It's like in my um, from my third to my fourth chakra, right in that area. It's kind of a very uncomfortable humming sort of it's not a sound, but it feels like a sound. I don't know how to explain it. It just, it's like a buzzing. It's like a really weird energy. And then, and my whole body's getting hot and sweaty. And then if I sit down or if I lay down, suddenly my body gets so cold. I feel like I have hypothermia and I start to shiver and shake. And it happened a couple times last night and I was getting really depressed and I was by myself here in the house and Actually, my dear friend, who I did not know while he was alive, but he came from heaven. Um, His spirit came to me, and he kind of—I felt his his spirit arms around me, and he's like, "It's okay. I'm going to be with you tonight because I know you're going through a hard time, and nobody else is here for you, Um, you know, physically. And this is the best I could do, though. Yeah, in spirit, not physical, but anyway. Hunter S. Thompson. He started coming. His spirit started coming to me when. I started reading his books and I, I read like three or four of his books in a row like two or three years ago and he just he's so hilarious and he's a little bit on the negative side in his writing but he's so hilarious and I just I just relate to him so much and he was born when he was alive he had been born the same year as my dad in 1938 so I just kind of felt like he was like a complete opposite personality my dad but really cool, um insightful writer and he's just funny. He's funny as hell and I really relate to him. And so his spirit came to me and he just sat with me and he's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be with you. And then he was with me all night long, all day. And then he said, I have some things to do. I'll be back in like four to five hours. I'm like, that's okay. And he says he's gonna try to find Robin Williams to send Robin Williams to me. A couple years ago when I was extremely depressed, both of them were with me for like a couple weeks. And it's weird because I did not know these men while they were alive, while they were famous. I think in heaven we're all friends. That's the nearest nearest thing that I could tell. It's so strange, but both of these guys were with me and I'm so grateful to them. You know, it's pretty cool. And I have a really strange life. <laughs> It's a really strange life. I wanted to tell you guys something that's a little sad, but I wanted to at least share this with you in case you didn't know. Um, All right, let's see here. Sierra Club wrote me this morning um, about the bird situation. There are 2.9 billion fewer birds birds in the United States and Canada than 50 years ago. I mean, God, that's just in my lifetime, period. 30% drop in birds. (sighs) Not dropping bird droppings, no. (laughs) You know, that could have been written really wrong there. Anyway, uh, almost 3 billion fewer birds, less birds. 30% of our birds are gone. What's shocking is the population decrease occurs in common backyard species birds and across every single habitat. Meadow larks have dropped by 75%. Two out of every five Baltimore Orioles are gone. Grassland birds have lost 53%. 53% 53% of their total bird population and that's just some of the losses these losses are concerning because they come from the core population of adult breeding age birds and moreover common bird species are vital to the ecosystems and their losses are having a tremendous impact now while the study doesn't try to pinpoint the causes of the declines previous studies have identified Loss of habitat, driven by agriculture urbanization and deforestation, increased pesticide use, and the massive reduction in insect numbers also play a major role. There is hope, though. Researchers say that bird lovers and conservationists should look to the model of the waterfowl recovery. People noticed declines back in the 1970s, And they raised their voices. They invested in waterfowl management. And policies were put into place to protect and restore the wetlands. And today, waterfowl populations are healthy. And they are increasing. So, according to the Sierra Club, they said this is the latest, just the latest in the terrifying news about our planet's loss of nature. And it's worse than we had thought. There are alarming reports, and we must act immediately and together to work to save the wildlife and our planet. And that was in my um, Sierra Club uh, that I subscribed to on Facebook Messenger. It's so bizarre that they are, um, it's so bizarre that they are um, setting me these messages like that, but I, I really appreciate it. I could sign petitions really quick and, and take action. I don't know what to do about it. I, I don't know if it's just that they're going, they're leaving because the planet, we're at, a tip, we're at a tipping point. I might try to do some something a little bit more extensive on this stuff later, but we are at the temperature, critical temperature or something something to do with climate we have already reached the the carbon emissions tipping point where there's really not going any going back where the, the earth is is just dying now I don't know if I guess that's just the third dimensional earth you know so don't panic we're all in the fifth dimension but we should try to do what we can when we can and you know the carbon emissions from all the fires all around the world right now just they're not helping uh, there's no way that's helping at all, you know. It is what it is. Things are crazy. It's like we could all barely just keep our own sh- together because of the ascension symptoms we're all going through. And we're all like going through this these massive awakenings one after another after another. And we we're being slammed by this cosmic energy and the energy that's being given to us from the Pleiadians and the Arcturians and the Andromedans and the Lyrans and all the um, alien or ET races that are helping us as well as from the sun, the the cosmic grand cosmic central sun, the, our, our actual star, our sun, the earth itself, our higher guidance, our higher selves, our spiritual teams. I mean, we are being slammed from every direction to grow. We're being forced into a state of, emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental growth. And it's uncomfortable. We're all uncomfortable. So I want you to, to uh, whenever and wherever you are in the world, just give the people around you leeway because they're going through this shit, too. It's not just you, you know what I mean? It's so hard, like, to, like, when people, like, reject you and they're mean to you or they're, taking advantage of you um, are all the different things that we're going through. And then you realize that they're also going through the same crap, you know, like they're not feeling their best. And I mean, scammers are just scammers, you know, but they're also, they're just awake or not awake yet. They're just asleep. And, you know, someday they're going to wake up and feel really bad about what they did. And then they're probably going to lose their home and they're going to regret, you know, you'll probably become homeless and not have anything. Or maybe that's why they're doing the scam in the, in the first place. It could be that as well, you know, but I'm getting through things that you guys are getting through things. We're all going to get through it together. And I'm grateful we are on this Ascension journey together. Um, I'm going to go through some basic day information From DisclosureNews.it, they state at 8.30 in the morning, report, after a brief pause of about six hours, the slight movements started again lightly at 23 UTC. A series of most significant peaks took place from 4.30 a.m. with a maximum of 21 hertz around 6 UTC. Then in the evening report at 1700, they write, after the movements reported previously, the activity continued, to increase, and shortly after, at 6.30, there was the strongest peak of the day that reached 62 hertz. After this, the variations were reduced with some isolated spike around the 20 hertz threshold. (sighs) Really hard word to say (laughs) for some stupid reason right now. I just said it like a few minutes ago, totally fine. All right. Mmm, where are we at? Okay, in the Schumann Resonance News, according to HeartMath Institute, they started off uh, California at 89 hertz frequency at midnight, and they went up to 93 hertz frequency by 4 a.m. And in Hofuf, <clears throat> Saudi Arabia, they're just a straight flat line is just zero all the way across They've taken the place of where Hulului was um, back before the 17th. Now, Lithuania has seen uh, 122 hertz frequency at midnight, and they went up slightly to uh, 123 and back down 122 at 4 a.m. Alberta, Canada started off at 34. Very mild for Canada. 34 hertz frequency at midnight, and they were down to zero by 4 a.m. In Northland, New Zealand, they started off at 82 on the Schumann frequency, Schumann resonance frequency, 82 hertz frequency, and they went down, or I mean up to 87 by 4 a.m., and in and in Hulu, Louis South Africa, they started off at 99, and they went up to 102 hertz frequency by four. So the numbers are, are lower than normal, or, or I don't know if it's normal. What's normal anymore? We don't know, but it's it's changing. I don't know. I There's something weird, though. If you go to heartmath.org, And you look at this, you're going to start noticing there are some peaks. There was one peak in one of the cities that looked like a mountain that looked familiar to me. And I think it's a mountain I saw like in um, Arizona or something when I was a kid. I mean, like the shape of it was weird. And I'm like, that's a weird shape for the Schumann Resonance. And then a couple days later, the same exact shape happened in another city. So this graph, I, I would urge you, if you're interested in this thing, go to heartmath.org and look up the magnet, magnetosphere Schumann Resonance uh, Report. And look at the graph from like a week ago. And also look at it on the 17th where there's the cross in the middle. You know where Hululu, we had been zero flatlined for three weeks, and then all of a sudden went up, and Hofu, Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden went down and went back. They went into the flatlining zero. It's so weird. I don't know what any of it means, but maybe you guys will come up with a theory or something. You know, or at least look at the like those two mountain-shaped things. It's just why. I mean, I feel like if you took one, you could superimpose it over the other and it would be an almost exact match. I mean, it's that bizarre. Like what the heck is happening? Anyway, in A Course in Miracles, uh, ACIM.org, we are on lesson 105. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole lesson, just part of it just enough to spark your interest and raise your vibration for the moment. There's my, there's my son in the other room making a bunch of noise, dropping something. Okay. Lesson 105 states, God's peace and joy are mine. God's peace and joy are mine. God's peace and joy are yours. Today we will accept them knowing that they belong to us. And we will try to understand these gifts increase as we receive them. Oh, nice. They're not like to the gifts the world can give in which the giver loses as he gives the gift. The taker is the richer by his loss. Such are not gifts, but bargains made with guilt. Ha <laughs> Yeah, it's true, isn't it? (laughs) The truly given gift entails no loss. It is impossible that one can gain because another loses. This implies a limit and an insufficiency. No gift is given thus. Such gifts, quote unquote, are but a bid for more valuable returns, a loan with interest to be paid in full, a temporary lending meant to be a pledge of debt, be repaid with more than what was received by him who took the gift (laughs) this strange distortion of what giving means pervades all levels of the world you see it strips all meanings from the gifts you give and leaves you nothing in the ones that you take so (laughs) and then says later today accept god's peace and joy as yours And now it says, think of your enemies a little while. Oh, the scammer. I'll think about him and tell each one as he occurs to you in your mind, right? My brother, peace and joy. I offer you that I may have God's peace and joy as mine. Oh, that made me feel better actually. And I'll say that again. My brother, peace and joy. I offer you that I may have God's peace and joy as mine. That's so cool. All right. That's it. God's peace and joy are mine. Now, when I come right back in after this message or two messages, we're going to read from the Spirit's book again. Remember, Kardec, Alain Kardec. This is such an incredible study. And it's we're going to read as much of it as we possibly can tonight, probably an hour's worth of this book. It's um, (laughs) really incredible. He was a scientist, scientific investigator, and paranormal researcher 162 years ago in France, in Paris, in the salons of Paris when they were doing table tipping and um, (laughs) spirit seances. And he found four different people and he started asking them a series of scientific questions he asked them all the same questions and the spirit world that they were able to contact gave him the exact same answers from four different parts of Paris they did not know each other and so he kept it very scientific and what he compiled was a book called The Spirit's Book go watch the movie Car Deck on Netflix you will be blown away this book went all over the world it went like wildfire it sold all throughout Brazil South America it was translated into multiple languages I'm reading it in English but it was originally in French translated into Spanish and Portuguese translated into English from from the Portuguese that's what I'm reading so this book went all over the world and all of a sudden there were book burnings all of a sudden the catholic church was all up in arms like this like séances became illegal i mean this was a big 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 deal and having this information i mean we're really blessed that not all the books were burned and now we've got copies on the internet we could get for free on PDF form you know so I'm so glad that these books are being preserved this I got from ssbaltimore.org this one is not on uh, Gutenberg like I usually get stuff from Gutenberg but this one was not from there so um, it's literally called the spirits book this is part two in a series I'm going to keep reading every Monday night until we are finished with this book But right after this message, I'm going to start with Chapter 3. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life? And see what's coming next what does the universe have in store for you I can help you with that I will give you a Celtic cross reading which is ten cards or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question so that's nine cards or I can channel your higher guidance or maybe God directly for you maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew if your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters I can channel them for you personally let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete and for this price you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free which means yours truly me i will be giving you reiki 24 hours a day seven days a week for the rest of your life all you have to do is let me know metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together Alright guys, this is The Spirit's Book by Alain Kardec, written and published in 1857 in Paris, and we are on Chapter 3, entitled Creation, and what we're going to cover in this chapter is 1. Formation of Worlds, 2. Production of Living Being, 3 peopling of the earth, Adam, four, diversity of human race, five, plurality of world, six, the biblical account of the creation. All right. And again, this is in a question format and answer format of the spirits and then Kardec himself put a Ravel his real name was Ravel he would put at the very end um, his commentary sometimes so formation of worlds and his comment is the universe comprises the infinity of worlds both of those we see and those we do not see all animate and inanimate beings all the stars that revolve in space and all fluids with which space is filled. Question number 37. Has the universe been created or has it existed from all eternity like God? The Spirit's answer. Assuredly, the universe cannot have made itself. And if it had existed from all eternity like God, it could not be the work of God. So uh, Kardak writes, reason tells us that the universe cannot have made itself and that as it could not be the work of chance, it must be the work of God. Question 38, how did God create the universe? The spirits answer, To borrow a well-known expression by His will, nothing can give a better idea of the action of that all-powerful will than those grand words of Genesis. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Question 39. Can we know how worlds are formed? The spirits say, All that can be said on the subject within the limits of your comprehension is this. Worlds are formed by the condensation of matter disseminated in space. Question 40 Are comets, as is now supposed, a commencement of condensation of the primitive matter matter worlds in course of formation? The spirits answer yes but it is absurd to believe in the influence attributed to them I mean the influence which is commonly attributed to them for all the heavenly bodies have their share of influence in the production of certain physical phenomena question 41 is it possible for a completely formed world to disappear and for the matter of which it is composed to be again disseminated into space the spirits answer yes God renews worlds as he renews the living beings that inhabit them question 42 can we know the length of time employed in the formation of worlds of the earth for instance the spirits answer this is a matter in regard to which I can tell you nothing for it is only known to the creator and foolish indeed would he be who should pretend to possess such knowledge or to number the ages of such a formation. Yeah, that's like a good answer. Who the hell knows? (laughs) If I'm a spirit and you guys contact me, I'm going to say things like, who the hell knows? <laughs> I'll say things like, who the hell knows? I don't know. I don't give her ass out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll be a cantankerous spirit <laughs> like I am right now. <laughs> All right. Now, here's a, the part called production of living beings. Question 43. When did the earth begin to be peopled the spirit's answer in the beginning all was chaos the elements were mixed up in a state of confusion gradually those elements settled into their proper places and then appeared the orders and then appeared the orders of living beings appropriate to the successive states of the globe question 44 whence came the living beings that appeared upon the earth the spirits answer the germs of these were contained in the earth itself awaiting the favorable moment for their development the organic principles came together on the cessation of the force which held them asunder and those principles formed the germs of all living beings that have peopled the earth those germs remained latent and inert like the chrysalis and the seed of plants until the arrival of the proper moment for the vivification vivification of each species the beings of each species then came together and multiplied <laughs> and how <laughs> Question 45. Where were the organic elements before the formation of Earth? The spirits answered, They existed, so to say, in the fluidic state, in space, in the midst of the spirits, or in other planets awaiting the creation of the Earth in order to begin a new existence on a new globe. Now uh, Kardec himself says, chemistry shows us the molecules of inorganic bodies uniting to produce crystals of regular forms that are invariable for each species as soon as those molecules find themselves in the conditions necessary to their combination. The slightest disturbance of those conditions suffices to prevent the union of the material elements or at least to prevent the regular arrangement of the latter, which constitutes the crystal. Why would, why should not the same action take place among the organic elements? We preserve for years the seeds of plants and animals, which are only vivified at certain temperature and under certain conditions. Grains of wheat have been seen to germinate after the lapse of centuries. There... Uh, I'm sorry, the is, there is. Oh, it should be there. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I saw it, but it, it says the. I saw the word there. That was so weird. There is then in seeds a latent principle of vitality which only awaits the concourse of favorable circumstances to develop itself. May not that which takes place under our eyes every day have also taken place at the origin of the globe does this view of the formation of living beings brought forth out of chaos by the action of the forces of nature detract in any way from the glory of God so far from doing this the view of creation thus presented to us is more consonant than any other with our sense of the vastness of his power exerting its sway over all the worlds of infinity through the action of universal laws. This theory, it is true, does not solve the problem of the origin of the vital elements, but nature has mysteries which it, has, it is, as yet, impossible for us to explain. Question 46 Do any living beings come into existence spontaneously at the present day? the spirit's answer yes but the primal germs of these already existed in a latent state you are constantly witnesses of this phenomena do not the tissues of the human body and of animals contain the germs of a multitude of parasites <laughs> that only await for their development the occurrence of the putrid fermentation necessary to their life <laughs> Each of you contains a slumbering world of microscopic beings in process of creation. <laughs> Such a weird way to put that, but very succinct. Okay, question 47 Was the human species among the organic elements contained in the terrestrial globe? The spirits say, yes, and it made its appearance at the time appointed by the creator. Hence the statement that man was formed out of the dust of the ground. Question 48. Can we ascertain the epoch of tile appearance? uh, Tile? I don't know this word. I mean, just can we ascertain the epoch? of tile appearance of man and of the other living beings on the earth no all of your calculations are chimerical chimerical that's weird like a chimera question 49 if the germs of the human race were among the organic elements of the globe Why are human beings not produced spontaneously at the present day as they were at the time of its origin? The spirits speak. The first beginning of things is hidden from us nevertheless. It may be asserted that the earliest progenitors of the human race, when when once brought into existence, absorbed in themselves the elements necessary to their formation, in order to transmit those elements according to the laws of reproduction. The same may be said in regard to all of the different species of living beings. Peopling of the earth. Adam. Question 50. <laughs> Did the human race begin with one man only? The spirits say, no. No. He whom you call Adam was neither the first nor the only man who peopled the earth. Question 51. Is it possible to know at what period Adam lived? The spirits speak about the period which you assigned to him, that is to say about 4,000 years before Christ. Now, uh, Kardec has something to say about all this. He says... The man of whom, under the name of Adam, tradition has preserved the memory was one of those who, in someone of the in some it just say that in some one of the countries of the globe, survived one of the great cataclysms which, at various epochs, have changed its surface, and who became the founder of one of the races that people on the earth. it's not making sense in English sorry it's surface and who changed surface and okay who became the founder of one of the races that peopled the earth at the present day there was a d missing at the end of people <laughs> people it's now a verb <laughs> who knew <laughs> are you are you gonna get married and go out into the world and people it sorry okay back to the book (laughs) the nature of law uh, god dang it here we go with the dyslexia now the laws of nature (laughs) the laws of nature render it impossible that the amount of progress which we know to have been accomplished by the human race of our planet long before the time of Christ could have been accomplished so rapidly as much as must have been the case If it had only been in in existence upon the globe since a period assigned as the date of Adam. The opinion most consonant with reason is that which regards the story of Adam as a myth or as an allegory personifying the earliest ages of the world. Cool. All right. Diversity of human races. All right. Uh, question 52. What is the cause of the physical and moral differences that distinguish the various races of men upon the earth? Huh. All right. Uh, the spirits say climate, modes of life, and social habits. The same differences would be produced in the case of two children of the same mother if brought up far from one another and surrounded by different influences and conditions. For the children thus diversely brought up would present no moral resemblance to each other. Question 53. Did the human race come into existence on various points of the globe? The the spirits answer, yes, and at various epochs. And this is one of the causes of the diversity of human races. The people... Of the primitive periods, being dispersed abroad in different climates and forming alliances with those of other countries than their own, gave rise perpetually to new types of humanity. And the next follow up question is Do these differences constitute distinct species? That's a really bold question for 162 years ago. The spirits answer, certainly not. All of them constitute but a single family. Do the differences between the varieties, due to the differences between the varieties of the same fruit, I'm sorry, do the differences between the varieties of the same fruit fruit prevent they're all belonging to the same species there's not a question mark at the end so <sighs> a lot of typos in this manuscript all right question 54 if the human species do not all proceed from the same progenitor should they on that account cease to regard one another as brothers <laughs> the uh, spirits say All men are brothers in virtue of their common relation to the creator because they are animated by the same spirit and tend towards the same goal. The human mind is always prone to attach too literal a meaning to statements which are necessarily imperfect and incomplete. Plurality of worlds. Question 55. Are all the globes that resolve Resolve. (laughs) Oh my god. Are all the globes that revolve in space inhabited? The spirits answer yes, and the people of Earth are far from being, as you suppose, the first in intelligence, (laughs) goodness, and general development. There are many men having a high opinion of themselves who even imagine that your little globe alone. Of all the countless myriads of globes around you, has a privilege of being inhabited by reasoning beings. <laughs> they fancy that God has created the universe only for them. Insensate vanity! <laughs> Alan Kardec writes God has peopled the globes of the universe with living beings, all of whom concur in working out the aims of his providence. To believe that the presence of living beings is confined to one point of the universe inhabited by us is to cast a doubt on the wisdom of God who has made nothing in vain and who must therefore have signed to all the other globes of the universe a destination more important than that of gratifying our eyes with the spectacle of a starry night. Moreover, there is nothing in the position, size, or physical constitution of the earth to warrant the supposition that it alone, of the countless myriads of globes disseminated throughout the infinity of space, has the privilege of being inhabited. Question 56. Is the fist of... (laughs) Oh my God. This whole show is a blooper's reel. Okay. (laughs) Question 56. Is the physical constitution of all globes the same? The spirits say, no, they do not. All resemble one another. Question 57. The physical constitution of the various worlds not being the same for all does it follow that the beings who inhabit them have different organizations hmm and and the spirit's answer undoubtedly it does just as in your world fishes are organized for living in the water and birds for living in the air oh, that's what he meant okay question 58 are the planets furthest removed from the sun stinted in light and heat the sun only appearing to them the size of one small or one of the fixed stars. (laughs) Oh, the spirits answer. Do you suppose that there are no other sources of light and heat than the sun? And do you count for nothing? The action of electricity, which in certain worlds plays a very much more important part than in your earth besides how do you know that the beings of those worlds see in the same manner as you do and with the aid of organs such as yours (laughs) Alan Kardec writes the conditions of existence for the beings who inhabit the various worlds must be supposed to be appropriate to the sphere in which they are destined to live If we had never seen fishes, we should be at a loss to understand how any living beings could exist in the sea. So in regards to all the other worlds, which doubtless contain elements that are unknown to us, in our own earth are not the long polar nights illumined by the electrical displays of the aurora borealis? It is impossible that in certain worlds electricity Or is it impossible that in certain worlds electricity may be more abundant than in ours and may subserve in its general economy various important uses not imaginable by us? And may not those worlds contain in themselves the sources of the heat and light required by their inhabitants? The Biblical Account of the Creation Question 59. The different nations of the earth have formed to themselves widely divergent ideas of the creation, ideas always in harmony with their degree of scientific advancement. Reason and science concur in admitting the fantastic character of certain theories. The explanation of the subject now given through spirit communication is confirmatory of the opinion which has long been adopted by the most enlightened exponents of modern science. This explanation will no doubt be objected to on the ground that it is in contradiction with the statements of the Bible. But a careful examination of those statements show us that this contradiction is more apparent than real and that it results from the interpretation which has been given to expressions whose meaning is alleged allegorical rather than historical. The question of the personality of Adam regarded as the first man and sole progenitor of the human race is not the only one in regard to which the religious convictions of the world have necessarily undergone modification. The hypothesis of the rotation of the earth around the sun appeared at one time to be in such utter opposition to the letter of the bible that every species of persecution was directed against it and against those who advocated it yet the earth continued to move on in its orbit in defiance of anathemas (laughs) and no one at the present day could contest the fact of its movement without doing violence to his own powers of reasoning The Bible also tells us that the world was created in six days and fixes the epoch of this creation at about 4,000 years before the Christian era. Previously to that period, the earth did not exist. At that period, it was produced out of nothing. Such is the formal declaration of the sacred text, yet science, positive inexorable steps in, with proof to the contrary. The history of the formation of the globe is written in indestructible characters in the worlds of fossils, proving beyond the possibility of denial that the six days of the creation are successive periods, each of which may have been millions of ages. This is not a mere matter of statement or of opinion. It is a fact as incontestably certain as is the motion of the earth and one that theology itself can no longer refuse to admit, although this admission furnishes another example of the errors into which we are led by attributing literal truth to language which is often more of a figurative nature. Are we, therefore, to conclude that the Bible is a mere tissue of errors? No but we must admit that men have erred in their method of interpreting it geology in its study of the archives written in the structure of the globe itself has ascertained the order of succession in which the different species of living beings have appeared on its surface and this order is found to be in concordance in accordance with the sequence indicated in the book of genesis with this difference, viz, that the earth, instead of issuing miraculously from the hand of God in a course of a few days, uh, accomplished its formation under the impulsion of the divine will, but according to the laws and through the action forces of nature, in the course of periods incalculable by us. Does God appear less great and less powerful for having accomplished the work of creation through the action of forces and according to his laws of his own ordaining? And is the result of the creative energy less sublime for not having been accomplished instantaneously? Evidently not. And puerile indeed must be the mind that does not recognize the grandeur of the almighty power implied in this evolution of the worlds of the universe through the action of eternal laws. Science, so far from diminishing the glory of the divine action, displays that action under an aspect still more sublime and more consonant with our intuitive sense of the power and majesty of God by showing that it has been accomplished without derogation from the laws which are expression of the divine will in the realm of nature. Modern science, in accordance with the Mosaic record, proves that man was the last in the order of creation of living things. But Moses puts the universal deluge at the year of the world, 1654, while geology seems to show that the great diluvian cataclysm occurred before the appearance of man, because up to the present time the primitive strata contains no traces of his presence, nor of that of the animals contemporaneous with him. But this point is far from being decided. Various recent discoveries suggest the possibility of our being destined to ascertain that the antiquity of the human race is much greater than has been hitherto supposed. And should this greater antiquity become a matter of certainty, it would prove that the letter of the Bible in regard to the date assigned to it by the creation of man as in regard to so many other matters, can only be understood in an allegorical sense, allegorical sense, that the geological deluge is not that of Noah, is evident from the lapse of time required for the formation of the fossiliferous strata, and if traces should be eventually discovered of the existence of the human race before the geological deluge, it would be evident either that Adam was not the first man or that his creation dates back from a period indefinitely remote. There's no arguing against fact, and the antiquity of the human race, if proved by geological discovery, would have to be admitted just as has been done in regard to the movement of the earth and the six days of creation. The existence of the human race before the geological deluge, it may be objected is still doubtful, but the same objection cannot be urged against the following considerations. Admitting that man first appeared upon the earth 4,000 years before Christ, if the whole of the human race, with the exception of a single family were destroyed 1650 years afterwards, it follows that the peopling of the earth dates only from the time of Noah. (sighs) That is to say, only 2,500 years before the Christ. But when the Hebrews emigrated to Egypt in the 18th century before Christ, they found that country densely populated and already in possession of an advanced civilization. History also shows that at the same period, India and various other countries were equally populous and flourishing to say nothing of the chronological tables of other nations which claim to go back to periods yet more remote. We must therefore suppose that from the 24th to the 18th century before Christ that is to say in the space of 600 years the posterity of a single individual was able to people all of the immense countries which had then been discovered not to speak of those (laughs) which were then even unknown but which we have no reason to conclude were destitute of inhabitants and we must suppose still further that the human race during this brief period was able to raise itself from the crass ignorance of the primitive savage state to the highest degree of intellectual development suppositions utterly irreconcilable with anthropological laws. The diversity of the various human races confirms this view of the subject. Climate, modes of life, undoubtedly modify the physical characteristics of mankind, but we know the extent to which these modifications can be carried, and the physiological examination conclusively proves that there are between the different races of men constitutional differences too profound to have been produced merely by differences of climate. The crossing of races produces intermediary types. It tends to efface the extremes of characteristic peculiarities. But it does not produce these peculiarities and therefore creates only new varieties. But the crossing of races presupposes the existence of races distinct from each other and how is the existence of these to be explained if we attribute their origin to a common stock especially if we restrict the production of various races to so brief a period how is it possible to suppose for example that the descendants of Noah could have been in so short a time transformed into Ethiopians Such a metamorphosis would be as inadmissible as that of a wolf into a sheep, a beetle into an elephant, or a bird into a fish. No preconceived opinion can withstand in the long run the evidence of opposing facts, but on the contrary, all difficulty appears if we assume that man existed at a period anterior to that which has hitherto been commonly assigned to his creation, that Adam commenced some 6,000 years ago, the peopling of a country until then uninhabited, that the deluge of Noah was a local catastrophe, erroneously confounded with the great geological cataclysm, and finally, if we make due allowance for the allegorical form of expression characteristic of the Oriental style and common to the sacred books of every people. It is unwise to insist upon A literal interpretation of figurative statements of which the inaccuracy may at any moment be rendered evident by the progress of scientific discovery but the fundamental propositions of religion so far from having anything to fear from the discoveries of science are strengthened and ennobled by being brought into harmony with those discoveries And it is only when the religious sentiment shall have been enlightened by its union with scientific truth that religious belief, thus rendered invulnerable to the attacks of skepticism, will take the place of skepticism in the minds and hearts of men. Chapter 4, The Vital Principle 1. Organic and Inorganic Beings 2. Life and Death 3. Intelligence and Instinct Organic and Inorganic Beings Organic beings are those which have in themselves a source of activity that produces the phenomena of life. They are born, grow, reproduce their own species, and die. They are provided with organs specially adapted to the accomplishment of the different acts of their life, to the satisfaction of their needs, and to their preservation. They include men, animals, and plants. Inorganic beings are those which possess neither vitality nor the power of spontaneous movement, and are formed by the mere aggregation of matter as minerals, water, air, etc. So that's what Alan Kardec writes. Question 60. Is the force which unites the elements of matter in organic and inorganic bodies the same? The spirits say yes, the law of attraction is the same for all. Question 60. One <laughs> question 61 is there any difference between the matter of organic and inorganic bodies spirits say the matter of both classes of bodies is the same but in organic bodies it is animalized question 62 what is the cause of the animalization of matter the answer they give It's union with the vital principle. Question 63. Does the vital principle reside in a special agent or is it only a property of organized matter? In other words, is it an effect or a cause? The spirits say, it is both. Life is an effect produced by the action of the agent upon matter. This agent without matter is not life, just as matter cannot become alive without this agent. It gives life to all beings that absorb and assimilate it. Question 64. We have seen that spirit and matter are two constituent elements of the universe. Does the vital principle constitute a third element? The spirits write, It is undoubtedly one of the elements necessary to the constitution of the universe but it has its source in a special modification of the universal matter modified to that end for you. It is an elementary body like oxygen or hydrogen, which nevertheless are not primitive elements for all the bodies known to you, though appearing to you to be simple are modifications of the primal fluid. And so he follows up with a question. This statement seems to imply that vitality is not due to a distinct primitive agent, but is a special property of the universal matter resulting from certain modifications of the latter. The spirits say, Your conclusion is a natural consequence of what we have stated. Question 65. Does the vital principle reside in any one of the bodies known to us? The spirits say, It has its source in the universal fluid. It is what you call the magnetic fluid or the electric fluid animalized. It is the intermediary, the link between spirit and matter. Question 66. Is the vital principle the same for all organic beings? Spirits answer. Yes, but modified according to species. It is that principle which gives them the power of originating movement and activity and distinguishes them from inert matter for the movement of matter is not spontaneous. Matter is moved. It does not originate movement. Question 67. Is vitality a permanent attribute of the vital principle or is vitality only developed by the play of the organs in which it is manifested? The spirits say, It is only developed in connection with the body. Have we not said that this agent without matter is not life? The union of the two is necessary to the production of life. Follow-up question. Would it be correct to say that vitality is latent when the vital agent is not united with the body? Spirits answer, yes, that is the case. Alan Kardec writes a note. He says, The totality of the organs of a body constitute a sort of mechanism which receives its impulsion from the active or vital principle that resides in them. The vital principle is the motive power of organized bodies. And while the vital principle gives impulsion to the organs in which it resides, the play of those organs develops and keeps up the activity of the vital principle somewhat as friction develops heat okay life and death question 68 what is the cause of the death of organic beings spirits answer the exhaustion of their bodily organs follow up question would it be correct to compare death to the cessation of movement in a machine that had got out of gear The spirits answer, yes, when the machine gets out of order, its action ceases. When the body body falls ill, life withdraws from it. Question 69. Why is death caused more certainly by a lesion of the heart than by that of any other organ? Spirits answer, the heart is a life-making machine. But the heart is not the only organ of which the lesion causes death it is only one of the wheels essential to the working of the machine question 70 what becomes of the matter and the vital principle of organic beings after their death the spirits answer the inert matter is decomposed and serves to form other bodies the vital principle returns to the general mass of the universal fluid so now Alan Kardec writes A really long comment. (laughs) On the death of an organic being, the elements of which its body was composed undergo new combinations that form new beings. These, in their turn, draw the principle of life and activity from the universal source they absorb and assimilate it and restore it again to the source when they cease to exist. The organs of organic beings are, so to say, impregnated with a vital fluid. This fluid gives to every part of an organized being the activity, which brings its parts into union after certain lesions and reestablishes functions that have been temporarily suspended. But when the elements essential to the play of the organism have been destroyed or too deeply injured, the vital fluid is powerless to transmit to them the movement, which constitutes life and the being dies the organs of a body necessarily react more or less powerfully upon one another their reciprocity of action results from their harmony among themselves when from any causes harmony is destroyed their functions cease just as a piece of machinery comes to a standstill when the essential portions of its mechanism get out of order or as a clock stops when its works are worn out by use, accidentally broken, so that the spring is no longer able to keep it going. We have an image of life and death still more exact in the electric battery. The battery, like all natural bodies, contain electricity, contains electricity in a latent state, but the electrical phenomena are only manifested when the fluid is set in motion by a special cause. When this movement is superinduced, the battery may be said to become alive, but when the cause of the electrical activity ceases, the phenomena cease to occur and the battery lapses into a state of inertia. Organic bodies must may thus be said to be a sort of electric battery in which the movement of the fluid produces the phenomena of life and in which the cessation of that pr- movement produces death. The quantity of vi- vital fluid present in organic beings is not, the same, is not the same at all. It varies in the various species of living beings and is not constantly the same, either in the same individual or in the individuals of the same species. There are some which may be said to be saturated with it, and others in which it exists in very small proportions. Hence, certain species are endowed with more active and tenacious life resulting from the superabundance of vital fluid present in their organisms. Organism. (laughs) The amount of vital fluid contained in in a given organism may be exhausted and may thus become insufficient for the maintenance of life unless it be renewed by the absorption and assimilation of the substances in which that fluid resides. The vital fluid may be transmitted by one individual to another individual. An organization in which it exists more abundantly may impart it to another in which it is deficient and may thus in certain cases rekindle the vital flame when on the point of being extinguished. Okay. uh, Intelligence... (laughs) <laughs> intelligence and instinct question 71 is intelligence an attribute of the vital principle the spirits answer no for the plants live and do not think they only have organic life intelligence and matter are independent of one another for a body may live without intelligence but intelligence can only manifest itself by means of material organs. Animalized matter can only be rendered intelligent by its union with spirit. And Kardec writes, Intelligence is a faculty which is proper to certain classes of organic beings and which gives to these the power to think, the will to act, the consciousness of their existence and individuality and the means of establishing relations with the external world and providing for the needs of their special mode of existence we may therefore distinguish first inanimate beings formed of matter alone without life or intelligence the bodies of the mineral world two or second animated non-thinking beings formed of matter and endowed with vitality but without intelligence. Three, or third, animated and thinking beings formed of matter, endowed with vitality, and possessed of an intelligent principle, which gives them the faculty of thought. Question 72 What is the source of intelligence? The spirits answer We have already told you the universal intelligence. Follow up question. Would it be correct to say that every intelligent being draws a portion of intelligence from the universal source and assimilates it as it draws and assimilates the principle of material life? The Spirit's answer, Such a comparison would be far from exact, for intelligence is a faculty that is proper to each being and constitutes its moral individuality. Besides, we have told you that there are things which man is unable to fathom. And this for the present is one of them. Are you calling us stupid? (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't help myself there. Okay. Question 73 is instinct independent of intelligence. The spirits say, no, not precisely. So for, It is a species of intelligence. Instinct is an unreasoning intelligence by means of which the lower orders of beings provide for their wants. Question 74. Is it possible to establish a line of demarcation between instinct and intelligence? That is to say, to define precisely where one ends and the other begins? Spirits say... No, for they often blend into one another, but the actions which belong to instinct and those which belong to intelligence are easily distinguished. Question 75. Is it correct to say that the instinctive faculties diminish in proportion with the growth of the intellectual faculties? The spirits say no. Instinct always continues to exist, but man neglects it. Instinct, as well as reason, may lead us in the right direction. Its guidance almost always makes itself felt, and sometimes more surely than that of reason. It never goes astray. And the follow-up question, why is it that reason is not always an infallible guide? The spirits say it would be infallible if it were not perverted by a false education by pride, and by selfishness. Instinct does not reason. Reason leaves freedom to choice and gives man free will. So, uh, Alan Kardec uh, has a comment on that. He says, Instinct is a rudimentary intelligence, differing from intelligence properly, so called in this particular viz that its manifestations, are almost always spontaneous, whereas those of intelligence are the result of combination and deliberation. The manifestations of instinct vary according to the differences of species and of their needs. In beings that possess self-consciousness and the perception of things external to themselves, it is allied to intelligence, that is to say, to freedom of will and of action. and that's it <laughs> that's all she wrote I'm not going to read any more tonight uh, next week we're going to come back with book second The Spirit World or World of Spirits so I hope you guys are enjoying this book this is it was a little rough at, like a couple paragraphs there. It's like two pages of what it said it was a question it wasn't a question <laughs> it was really 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 long I I hope you were able to follow it. If you weren't, don't worry about it. I think you're going to get out of this what you need to. So, you know, you could re listen and see if you get something more out of it later, but, or you could just read it. You know, some people need to see the words on the page as well as hear it um, to really get it. But some of this information is pretty, it's pretty interesting and it confirms a lot of the things I've often suspected about. You know, Adam being the first man, like he peopled all of us, so we're all just like, this is just incest. Anytime you do anything with anyone, that's just incest. It's kind of a gross concept, isn't it? (laughs) And then it says in the Bible that incest is wrong. So, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? (laughs) There's a lot of weird contradictory information in the Bible, and so... It is important to take everything with a grain of salt. (laughs) It's not always literal. Sometimes it's figurative, and sometimes it is literal. And we take it as figurative. Like, giants did exist. We found their bones. Um, (laughs) That's a show I want to do at some point about giants. Um, There's a guy I'm going to ask if he'll come on the show and talk about it, but... That's our whole topic for another day. (laughs) I'm exhausted and I'm having massive amounts of heat and energy pouring through my body right now. And it feels wonderful, but it also feels like I'm suddenly in a sauna. So I need to go maybe put on my pajamas (laughs) and splash some water on my face. But so that's it. That's it. That's all she wrote for tonight. I do want to still ask, though. If uh, you have any stories at all, ghost stories for October for our metaphysical ghost speak episode that I want to do on Halloween. So you have about five weeks to get that in. I would actually hope that you get that in within three weeks. (laughs) This is your assignment. If you want to share with the world your ghost stories, Uh, you can also just send me a voice message to anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical. It's very easy. You could download the app or do it right from the website and um, then I'll save it and I'll play it on the air on Halloween or same thing with uh, the Santa Claus stories for Christmas. I do want to hear as it pertains to the spirit of Santa Claus himself, St. Nicholas. Jolly old Père Noël, I want to know what Christmas miracles you have received. Have you asked Santa for something and then it happened and it felt like a miracle? Did you see him in your house? Did you see the sleigh flying through the sky? I want to hear anything and everything pertaining to this. Have you ever been helped by a jolly old fat man that looked just like Saint Nick? And after he helped you, you're scratching your head and wondering, hmm, could it be? I want to hear the stories. All right. You can send those to metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com or, again, voice message to anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical. All right, guys, that's it. That's all she wrote for me for today. (laughs) I'm exhausted and I need to rest. I love each and every one of you. I want to thank you. For being my listener. Thank you for adding uh, your two cents on iTunes under the category Religion and Spirituality. The more I get on the charts, the more people can hear me and the more I can stay on the air. So um, I wanted to thank the people of New Zealand who have put me on the charts and you keep listening to the show. Thank you, guys. I love that so much. Someday I will go visit New Zealand. It's been on my bucket list (laughs) for quite a while. I definitely want to visit over there. I'm very fascinated by that country. I keep getting letters from the government (laughs) welcoming me and asking me when will I want to start my residency. They're willing to give me a visa. (laughs) I inquired six years ago and they're still contacting me just last week they asked me I love it I want to go so bad to New Zealand so someday I'll be there I want to go go see the Kiwis (laughs) I love it so much alright that's it thank you for being on the Ascension journey with me and uh, for listening to the show and my rantings of a mad woman sometimes and reading old fashioned books that are kind of hard to understand (laughs) with today's language and vernacular, but nonetheless, they're fascinating. And it's uh, always nice to peer into the past to see where we're going to go into the future. And as we jump higher and higher into the fifth dimension, it's kind of nice to see it from a grand historical perspective. At least for me it is. I hope it is also for you. But that's it, guys. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, peace.